Drone Talks is an online platform to spread ideas and to educate in the drone ecosystem. At Drone Talks, we discuss technology, regulatory, business, and ecosystem topics openly with industry leaders to enable and foster innovation for a better future. I'm Esther Kovac, founder of Drone Talks, and today I'm talking with CEO of Unifly, Leon Davos. Hi, Leon. Good afternoon to you. Welcome here at Drone Talks. So I find it super exciting. You took the lead of Unifly, one of the UTM leader. And, you know, I had a few hours talk uh, with you previously where I could uh, receive a, a lot of information about your background. So uh, you worked for Philips and you led a lot of initiatives in technology fields. So I'm just wondering why drones? What do you see in drones? Why you decided to be a CEO of one of the UTM uh, companies in the drone ecosystem? Uh, because as you already little referred about it, is that all my life I was, let's say, in disruptive innovations. It started with 96 or even, even in 92 with uh, testing systems for uh, neurosurgery. Then I moved to uh, Schlumberger, now Gemalto, because uh, SIM cards uh, were kicking off, eh, something new. Then uh, I moved into the mapping with Tail Atlas, now TomTom, eh, the, the, the navigation on mobile phones. I worked in the mobile gaming in 2000, when mobile gaming did not exist uh, in Europe. Uh, you already mentioned uh, Philips. Philips was developing the UE light, the connected lighting of Philips that you can change your light settings via mobile phone. Nobody knew how to sell it. I sold it uh, to Apple and Apple is, uh, is now uh, representing it. So uh, you see me that in my career, I was always in these disruptive innovations. And that's why when I think it was four years ago, 2007, 16, 17, when I was working for Here Technologies, uh, that's a the location intelligence company, uh, the mapping company, they were asked me, Leon, uh, can you think about new dimensions of our business? And uh, were for me two dimensions in mapping where the world really did not have good solution. One was indoor. So that's why with here we bought some companies in the indoor space to really set up indoor navigation and mapping. And the other one, and that's why it was my link to Unifly, was about the, the low altitude airspace. And I saw that uh, many companies were investing in 3D maps, uh, 3D buildings, but nobody was really willing to pay for it. It was a nice to have, but not a must have. So I was looking where can we use our 3D uh, data and sell it. Now, one of one was uh, the drone space. So we said, whoa, if we can not only sell the data, maybe we can really enrich the data. Meaning if you have the data, a static map, if we add weather and we add all kinds of other uh, data, we can really make a dynamic data of in a third dimension. And then the world came up with what we call a digital representation of reality. Some people call it the digital twin. So, and that's what we want to build for, for drones. And then we said, if we want to build that digital representation of reality, we need in fact access to somebody that, let's say, approves those flights because every flight that is approved is in fact a highway in the sky. And in that way, we were looking to the market and then we looked uh, to the players. At that moment, it was Unifly and Airmap. These were the two, let's say, at that moment, I talk about three, four years ago, that the major players uh, in the UTM space. And then we spoke with, with Airmap, we spoke with Unifly, and then it's just a, maybe because we are Europeans is that Airmap had more the American approach, huh? federated system, uh, disrupting the industry. 
And Unifly was maybe more a reserved uh, company also maybe because they came from the, the airspace industry. They are uh, air traffic controllers and pilots. And they had the approach and say, let's do it together uh, with the local authorities and the airspace authorities. And I, I really liked that approach uh, together to create that business. So that's why here at that time was also the supplier of uh, the, the base map. And slowly we start working together with, uh, with Unifly. It was, I think, six months ago when the, the chairman of the board uh, called me and said, hey, listen, are you interested uh, in maybe to take an active role in Unifly? And uh, in fact, in, immediately I said, yes. Why? I love the space. I love the company. I love the opportunities. And uh, what I most like is that, and I was in an uh, open table from the European Parliament uh, last week, I'm still str struggled with the, the, the thing about is UTM eating ATM or is ATM eating UTM as an industry? Yeah, and that is a very interesting uh, discussion uh, because I really could see that in 20 years from now, yeah, a UTM system could slowly also be integrated and or taking over the major ATM features. And uh, that's for me a very exciting idea that uh, yeah, you can be as a startup that is already fully digital by start. It could take over an, a system that is, with all respect, 60 years old yeah, uh, with radio beacons. So that's why I'm excited about uh, joining a company like uh, Unifly. That, that sounds very interesting. And your, your uh, history is impressive, I should say that, Leon. And, uh, you know, I clearly see that you you believe in drones as an innovation. Well, well, what do you think should really happen in the next few years for drone traffic to become reality? What's, what is the big bum? What should happen? The big bum, I think it's a um, combination of a few things. First of all, governments have to allow it. Yeah? And uh, the, the issue with, with governments is that they're not the most risk-taking institutes in the world. So for them, it's, it's, they're very conservative in, in, in that sense. And I understand that because it's about liability. Same what is withholding autonomous drive, because it was the last six years in autonomous drive space. We have the same hurdle. Technology-wise, uh, any car manufacturer can drive a car from A to B. That's not a problem. It's all about the liability uh, that it takes goes with it and then who takes it. And that has to translate into legislation and uh, regulation uh, around it. Same for drones. So who takes the, the liability of those uh, drone flights? And I'm talk not talking about, because I'm not interested in this uh, VLOS uh, visual line of sight. Yeah, for me, where it really takes off is the beyond visual line of sight. That is the, let's say, the, the professional part of the business with all respect. But that's where also companies like Unifly provides uh, systems that are inevitable. It's not, it's a must have. Yeah, so you cannot do large scale BVLOS uh, flights without a proper UTM uh, system in the world. So that's why that is the future of UTM uh, for me. That's number one. Second one is technology. And it's not about the technology, because I think AirMap and or Unifly and or uh, Altered Angel, I think we can provide a proper system to fly from A to B. That's not a problem. But the problem is if the, the, the venture capitalist and private equity company that are at this moment funding us have uh, are patience enough eh, to allow us to, to create that new industry. So I think from a technology point of view, together with the drone manufacturers and the GSM uh, and or Simco manufacturers and or other uh, uh, technology providers, I think we can make that puzzle 
to make safe flights uh, possible. It is much more about the leeway that we have to, to, to make it happen. And the third one, and last one, I think it's an important one, is about what are the business opportunities and the acceptance of drone flights. So one of them is, of course, the, the let's say the, the, the citizens, uh, particularly in urban areas, uh, if people are uh, a little bit people a little bit scared about a drone, about their privacy, about safety, etc. And that's also for me uh, where it should start off. Not so much in the air mobility, uh, where of course it's it's sexy, it's it, it's hot, it's uh, fantastic, but I don't think that's where it will start. Yeah, and so I think that we should look in, in, in the world that we go more in a phased approach. And that's also a little bit of difference uh, with the American approach is that we in Europe, we believe more in a staged approach rather than just open up the market and let the companies do it. I think it, it, it should, it, it started already in, in defense, of course, many years ago. And then it started with, let's say, the, the land survey uh, applications, uh, huge opportunities in the world like India. Yeah, where uh, the, there's still a lot of work to be done on the land survey as such. And then I think slowly it will be more the, the applications like uh, the survey and the, the inspections. Uh, I think the legislation now becomes a series around that with the new European legislation. I really hope that that industry will take off. Uh, that it is much easier uh, to do your flights and to, uh, to plan them instantly rather than to wait a few days or a few weeks uh, for an approval. Then, of course, I think a lot of opportunities in uh, emergency services and or survey uh, for police, fire department, ambulances with defibrillators, etc., like we have them in Holland already. Uh, and uh, last but not least, yes, then you start with a bit, let's say, logistics, either from packages uh, and or in the future uh, from people. And in that order, I really see the, the market uh, evolving. That's a lot of use cases. And, and I, I do see the difference, you know, providing service with drones than without drones. So as a last question, I'm just thinking, what's your estimation when when can we see flying drones everywhere, when it will be accepted by the society? So how would you estimate it in years? <laughs> that is an, uh, I, I forgot my crystal ball uh, today, but uh, <laughs> out of my head, uh, what it will tell me is that I think the next, uh, let's say five years, it will be mainly in these enterprise uh, applications uh, where of course, and I'm talking about worldwide, not only for Europe, but it's, it's agriculture, it is uh, land survey. I think that's where it really can mature a lot. Uh, then the second one is if you talk about delivery of packages uh, like in, uh, in uh, emerging areas like in Africa, uh, like in rural areas like in Canada or other countries where uh, distances is a matter, I think that they are really the beyond line of sight uh, flights will really take off. Yeah? And we are already in, in the first projects now in, in Canada where I say, whoa, uh, that is really a serious application that I really think that will take off. Another one is uh, within more urban areas, we will see a lot of uptake about what we call local authorities, local airports, uh, but also uh, inspections in, in ports, yeah, large ports like Rotterdam, Hamburg, uh, Le Havre, you name them in Europe, uh, yeah, Rotterdam, Antwerp, uh, where you see that if it really takes off with the legislation, you need a proper UTM system. Yeah? You have to, to uh, control who's friends and foe, yeah, you have to regulate it also the combination with general aviation eh, because in the same airspace you have the general aviation like helicopters uh, passing by. Yeah, so I really think that UTM will take off in those, those areas. Another area is uh, with airports with remote uh, towers, uh, with counter UAS uh, systems. Also there I think that the UTM players can play uh, a role 
to, to be the, the prime interface with those different uh, systems. Then I think uh, after five, uh, five years, I think then the delivery, the delivery uh, really takes off. And then initially more in medical field, where you have, I think, fixed lines uh, in the air, let's say controlled corridors, I call them. Uh, and then those controlled corridors, uh, where we already have the first projects now uh, defined, uh, where there's much more uh, room for, let's say, professional fleet management systems, uh, that you have uh, flight pads, where you have charging stations, where you have fixed lines, where drones automatically fly within that corridor. Can be medical, can be parcels, can be anything that brought from A to B, particularly in countries, for instance, uh, like Denmark is an example, where we have the health drone project, for instance, we have a lot of islands. Yeah, so it's much easier to bring a thing from A to B eh, with a drone than doing it with a vehicle for DHL, for instance. Yeah, so for me, there are a lot of things that are taking off, I think, in the delivery space after five years. Uh, and then I think slowly we're going to be ready for more the, the air taxis delivery of people. Also there, I think there are two questions. It's one of them is the, the viable business model. Uh, do we really solve the capacity of transporting people? I don't think so. It is more convenient. So the question is if it, huh, how big that volume will be and also where, because there's a lot of complexities because you have to bring people from A to B, but it will be a multi-model thing. It cannot be door to door. So there I'm really uh, hesitating how fast that will take off because although I don't doubt if the, the E-Wings and the Volocopters can build a safe solution, it is more the adoption and the regulation to fly to the airport. Because for me, it only makes sense if you land on top of the terminal. Yeah, then know that you land uh, five kilometers away from the airport, then I still need a taxi or an, uh, an, uh, an underground uh, to reach uh, the, the terminal of the airport. So I think that there, it's not so much technology that is, uh, but it's more the regulations that allow these air taxis really to be as close to door to door as possible and uh, define the landing spots and charging spots, by the way. And so I think there are some, let's say, technical challenges with charging and landing spots and there is an adoption and or a business model. How much do I pay more to fly with that kind of air taxis compared to a fast underground or an autonomous car, for instance? So that's a competition what I'm facing there. So I see that longer term rising, but not really, let's say, the first five to 10 years, with all respect. Sounds great, Leon. Thanks a lot for the interview. I had a lot of takeaway from it. And uh, thanks again. Always welcome. Bye. Bye-bye. This podcast was brought to you by Drone Talks Online, a platform designed to spread ideas and educate in the drone ecosystem. Search for dronetalks.online to hear from more of our industry leaders and to find out how you can get involved.